Hey everybody, it's an absolute pleasure for me to have it Robert Brill, who's the CEO of Brill Media. Brill Media is a media buying agency that focuses on precision advertising for business growth. The company's been honored 10 times across the Inc. 500 and Financial Times 500. Robert is a member of the Forbes Business Council and Fast Company Executive Board, where he writes about improving user experience, business growth strategies, data targeting, local advertising, and white label media buying. Additionally, he speaks about advertising, marketing, AI, and entrepreneurship to business owners across the U.S. So, I mean, that's quite a heck of a, heck of a CV, and we'll go through some of those details as we chat. But, Robert, what a pleasure to have you on board with us tonight. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Nicholas. Nice to meet so, you. Yeah. So, let's get on to it. The theme, theoretically, of this is going to be how to run advertising or digital advertising like a pro. And you are the, the pro to talk about this. And you are sort of in the background and really where the magic happens because we can create beautiful creatives. We can have beautiful YouTube uh, adverts designed. We can have great Pinterest posts. We can have Facebook ads. But somebody has got to put it out there on the right channel at the right time at the right price. And I guess yep. that's what Brill Media does, right? Yeah, we're a, we're a media buying firm where other companies focus on art and creativity. We focus on data, on Excel documents, on math to drive up sales and leads for our clients. So if I look at Facebook, Instagram, all of the channels that you've spoken about, I can do that myself. I can go on to Meta, I can go on to LinkedIn, and I can put in my ad group and I can put in my, my, my advert. Why does, somebody need a, why does somebody need a media agency? It's for the same reason why you go to a mechanic when your car is broken and you go to a doctor that's well-trained uh, when you're hurting and you want to feel better. It's because becoming an expert in something pays massive dividends over time. And the way you become an expert at something is by doing it for many years. I've been doing it for 20 years. Our team has been in the business low-end seven years, high-end 22 years. And so we hire really senior, smart, experienced, expensive people to run advertising campaigns. And our clients get the benefit of the fact that our people know the questions our clients will ask before our clients ask the question. And that's the way it should be. And, you know, we, we operate with urgency because urgent, it's important, like, any business, whether you're spending $1,000 a month or a million dollars a month, there's urgency to make the right investment, to make it better, to iterate on the process. You need the communication to know that you have someone that has your back day in and day out. And you need the context to understand what's happening with your campaign. What's the story behind the data? What's the story that comes with the charts and graphs? So the contextualization of what's happening, why something is doing well and where it could be improved all of that comes with interpretation of the data, and that's a big part of what makes our business successful. So quite a lot of my interview questions that we discussed before are going to go out the window now because you've opened up a okay. nice can of worms, a nice can <laughs> of worms for me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it, it's a chicken and egg situation. What comes first, media planning and buy, uh, media planning or the creative. And I suppose we've got to separate out media planning versus media buying. Do you just do media planning or do you, uh, do you just do media buying or do you do media planning or both? Um, 
we we mostly do media buying. I mean, that's the core of what we do. But I would say neither comes first, neither creative nor media buying first. Those are both second or third, depending on how you look at it. The first thing comes with a strategy. The strategy is your navigation plan. It's how you get from where you are today to achieving your business goals. And the strategy is your ironclad decision-making document that helps you make good decisions that are predefined by, for your business. In other words, you're never going to be caught off guard with someone selling you some inventory, whether it's Spectrum Reach here in the United States or or selling you bus benches or or telling you you need to run TikTok or you need to run Facebook or you need to run Pinterest. Your strategy defines exactly what you should be doing and what's accessible for your business and what's not accessible for your business. And so, you know, when we talk about strategy, we look at things like what have you done in the past for your marketing? What has worked? What hasn't worked? Do you have product market fit? Do people want to buy your product or service at the price you're offering it? What are your economics? What is your customer lifetime value? What is your known customer acquisition costs, et cetera. So you synthesize all of that grouping of information, the stuff that you know about your business. By the way, also part of that is who are your customers? Why are they buying for you? What's the transformative value you provide? What are the data signals that we can use to identify when we're talking to your best customer? So all of that package of information is grouped with another package of information, which is our expert knowledge of the media landscape. When you don't have the expert knowledge of the media landscape, you will be susceptible to making bad decisions day in and day out because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know whether or not you should be running or Facebook and Google or TikTok or Pinterest, but you're running it because someone told you you should, or you read an article or a headline, or you saw a TikTok, or you listened to a course. So there are all these different components. So when you take a strategy comprised of the business's information paired with or synthesized with market expertise, budget, all the things that methods and practices that work right now to grow businesses, you pair that up and you have an ironclad document that guides your plan. It's your navigation plan. And when you have that navigation plan, that's how you can make confident decisions about how to invest your money in advertising to grow your business. So the fundamentals of marketing basically and and business strategy, those need to be sorted out first before you start spending on Facebook and Instagram because a lot of people, as you mentioned, just say, oh yes, we've got to be on TikTok. TikTok is the latest thing and it might not be a great fit for, for, fit for their target market. So let, let's just take a hypothetical here. I've got a client who is a an interior design company. They've got an online store and they've got a, they've just opened up a bricks, a bricks and mortar store and they're aiming mm-hmm. at people who are moving into their first apartment and are looking at, and at <coughs> estate agents who want to use somebody to come in and do up a house before, before they sell it. So mm-hmm. I've got two, two distinct, two distinct markets. Mm-hmm. If I had to come to you and uh, say I'm a novice and I've just started this business, I've got these markets, I've got, I've got my customers who I need to get into my store, I've got an online store as well, and I've got a secondary market which is estate agents, 
how would you solve that problem for them? So they are starting out from scratch. I haven't got design. I've got a nice logo. I've got what my company mm -hmm. stands for. But now what? You answer a series of questions. The first is, which is your primary market? Which is your secondary market? So it sounds like primary would be e-commerce. Secondary would be estate agents. That's number one. Number two, if it's e-commerce, where do you want to sell? Which countries you want to sell in? And then third, you want to look at the types of people who have bought from you in the past or are or, or who you think will buy from you. Now, let's let's caveat that there are highly paid companies you can pay fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, et cetera, to do the analysis of who your best customers are. We're not we're not this is not what we're we're doing. You already know who this is. And if you don't know, there's there are sort of like inexpensive ways with advertising and social media to figure that out. But let's say you know, okay? And you know who your customers are. When you say people are are moving well, e-commerce. What are we selling for e-commerce, by the way? E-commerce is going to be pillows, it's going to be curtains, it's going to be interior decorating items. So you want a new lamp, okay. there's the latest lamp. So a couple things, right? You have first time, these are first time people moving out for, for the first time, or can it be like anyone? Who are these pillows made for? I would say it is somebody who's got a little bit of extra, it's their first paycheck, they've got a little bit of extra money, they want to now get their first proper pillow. <laughs> So here, here's the thing, right? Like, there's going to be the sort of, there, there, there's going to be the people who don't care about this, and they're just going to go for the lowest cost item, or the thing that they've heard their friends do, right? You're going to probably have IKEA in there, and you're going to probably have the local sellers of just various products that you you visually seen with your own eyes at the mall or something like that. You're not going to those people. You're going to people with a little bit higher income, or they're a little bit older, which may not be the case because these are first time moving out, right? So so, so you're definitely looking at a younger audience with a little bit of higher income, maybe in some way, some, some data signals around being more sophisticated or just have more money or more wealth, whatever, come from a rich family, whatever the case is, have a good job, live in a city, all those characteristics of a person that might be your, your right customer. So we would define those characteristics. And then we go to market and we say, look, all right, what are the where do we find these types of people? Well, probably we find them on Instagram and Facebook, so on Meta. We might find them on TikTok. We're going to find them in local news and sports. And we can use data across all of these platforms to really identify and pinpoint who these customers are. So we use a variety of tactics and data tactics and targeting and creative tactics to really isolate these people among all the people that we can serve ads to, we're going to isolate just these people. And by the way, Google search is probably going to be an important equation for that as well. So number one, you've identified the channels. Let's say Meta, Google search, banners, and TikTok. You can make an argument for CTV, but I'll tell you why I, I don't want to do that. The equation then comes down to what are your goals? Are your goals to build a brand? Are your goals to deliver immediate sales? And then your and then the other question is, what is your budget? Is your budget like a thousand a month, or is it ten thousand, or is it a hundred thousand a month? It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Bigger business goes into the market, wants to build brand and brand equity in a shorter period of time, so you're going to spend more. But if you're a, a mom and pop business, you're a designer, you need money in to equal more money coming out back to your business. So you need re return on ad spend. 
So if you have enough budget to run all these different channels, we run these different channels and they, and they serve different purposes. This is a big part of why, what people miss in the equation. I'm not, and you should not, and businesses should not be compete, comparing the effectiveness of a Google search ad with the effectiveness of a meta ad, with the effectiveness of a Twitter ad or a TikTok ad with the effectiveness of programmatic. Some of these channels are going to build local demand, immediate demand. And some of these channels are going to scoop up that demand and it's going to look like all your sales are coming from Google. But if no one knows that you exist, your sales on Google are going to drop. Your, your attributable sales from Google will decline because no one knows they're not going to be that familiar with you. The more advertising and marketing you do, the better your, your Google search ads are going to do and the better your organic search engine optimization is, is going to perform, okay? But you don't want to shut off the sort of higher upper funnel media because that will dry up the lower funnel media and it'll, it'll starve the business to a degree. Yeah. By the way, as an aside, you should also be doing search engine optimization. There's a whole set of tactics on that. You should be posting on social media. On social media, you should be understanding the types of content that really resonate with people. What you should not be doing, what most businesses do that I, I fundamentally disagree with is they boost posts. Boosting posts on Meta or TikTok, whatever the case is, is a way, and this is my, my soapbox, is a way... To, <laughs> is a way for Meta. There are 10 million advertisers on Meta and the vast majority of them are small businesses. According to Neil Patel, 62% of those businesses fail with advertising because they don't have product market fit, because there's no real strategy to their campaigns. They just want to feel like they're in the game, so they're going to boost a post. Boosting a post is the way that Meta takes your money and doesn't give you much value back for it. But it, it, it makes you feel like you're advertising. And people don't even realize that boosting a post is actually advertising. They think it's two separate things. You're running ads. You're paying for space to get in front of people with a message. It's advertising, all advertising. So you don't want to boost a post. So the point is you want to have a strategy. You want to have someone reviewing your data. And you want to understand the way these algorithms work so you can deploy them in a way that drives business forward. And so once you launch the campaign, you look at creative. You look at attributable performance. You look at overall source of truth sales. How many sales are you actually getting, attributable or not attributable? And then we make informed decisions based on the data that we have on how we're going to allocate next month's $10,000 spend, maybe more on Meta and more on Google and less on TikTok, for example. And that process just continues and what you're doing, and I'll, I'll stop after this, what you're doing is you're priming the algorithm. What you're, 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 by, by having longevity over time with your advertising campaigns, not just starting for two weeks, and then stopping and then starting again, you're, pri you're, you're giving the algorithm on Meta and these other channels the opportunity to learn who your best customers are. And you pair that with creative testing, a, a creative testing framework that we run for our clients, you have a really strong way of giving giving the algorithms a way to, to route your ad creative to your best customer. I think that's a, a super point regarding longevity. You can't just do something for one week, it doesn't work, and then stop. And I think that understanding that you've, you've just given me there, that we need to 
train the algorithm we need to give it data and one week's data is not going to be going to be enough and i guess this is why people need to run longer campaigns and you know test test it over time and an interesting point you brought up there was attribution of sales this is something i think a lot of people get confused confused about google says one number facebook says another book another number this xyz platform or try and say well we got that sale that's ours so you'll to be showing that you've sold two hundred thousand dollars, but actually you've only got seventy thousand dollars worth of real sales. Right? How 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 does that discussion happen with clients? Because that must be a complicated part of your business, trying to figure out attribution, right? There's the expensive solution, and there's the inexpensive solution. <laughs> the expensive solution is when you have anywhere from thirty to a hundred thousand dollars a year to spend on attribution and data tools. So a customer data platform like Twilio Segment, connecting with an attribution partner, like Triple Whale's good for e-commerce, for example, and, and, and customer journey mapping. So you can really have a strong view of who, who the consumer is and the actions they take before they buy and after they buy. And it, by the way, connect all that data connects to not just advertising, but social, email marketing, SMS, et cetera, activity on your site. So there's sort of like... You have a hundred fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year to spend on that. You you deploy that type of solution. The lo-fi and inexpensive inexpensive other than your time is an Excel document that tracks your source of truth sales, which we deploy for some of our small business clients. The core idea is every day, every week, every month, we want to understand how many sales you've generated. Not from Facebook, not from Google, not from any other platform, just your accounting team, the people who are counting your money, how many sales do they see and what's the value of those sales? And then we look, we calibrate that data with the changes we make in the algorithm, or I'm sorry, the changes we make on the campaigns over time. So one of the key things to understand is that you are more likely to generate a sale when you start more consumer journeys. But more consumer right consumer journey is, hey, I've heard about this, it's interesting, I'm gonna explore more, I'm gonna review the prices and the costs and the colors and all the factors that m- help me make my decision about where I wanna buy and I'm gonna continue reviewing and eventually I'm gonna make a purchase and the business hope is from them. And as and that hope is translated into continuous messaging to to communicate with the consumer. So um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, so consumer journey mapping, right? So when we're looking at source of truth sales, what we're saying is if we, if we start more consumer journeys, it'll be more expensive to start more consumer journeys. It's not going to pay out from a ROAS or return on ad spend perspective. So you're, you you might run Facebook ads that are more, ex- that have a lower return on ad spend and a higher customer acquisition cost. But guess what happens? your Google ads become far more effective. Your Google SEO becomes far more effective, which is another reason why you need bo- these channels to work in concert together. They're, they're not independent channels competing against each other. Because what you want is Meta to start more consumer journeys, and you want Google to scoop up the demand, that type of relationship. Well, you're, you're talking my language now, which is customer journeys. It's one of the things that I... I explained to both clients and students that if you understand the customer journey properly, it solves majority of your marketing problems because you know that you've got to move people from no, not knowing who the heck you are to finally 
pressing that button and, and buying the product. And as you've mentioned, Meta might just be in, from the awareness stage and Instagram might just be creating awareness and liking and interest, but it might not generate any sales for you. But you still need it, even though, it's, as you said, attribution-wise, it might not be sending you direct sales. But this is where you've got to understand that where is somebody in the customer journey and what information, what messaging, what channels are we going to use to to move them from stage one to to, to closing. So I, I love that. And do you find that lots of your customers understand this process? Do they have complicated customer journeys or is there something you have to explain to them why they're not getting sales? Why are you suggesting a low, I mean, a high cost ad on Meta versus something that's, you know, a click now and buy button? Yeah. So, you know, the first thing is I'll say we can calibrate Meta to act any way you want it to act. You want a high return on ad spend, great. What you're actually doing by doing that on Meta just is you are you are scooping up the demand that exists through other channels, SMS, email marketing. You Meta is really good at driving those conversions. They they just have that knowledge of of when a person's ready to act and getting the ad in front of them when they're ready to act. But that moment of getting a person ready to act didn't usually doesn't happen just on Meta. It happens across many different places, including PR and publicity, et cetera. So we advise clients to think about, you know, our a lot of our clients are agencies. So we advise clients to think about, you can go either way on this equation. What's good for you? How do you want to act? What's this, you know, when I say we know the story we want to tell ahead of time, I, I mean it. Like we can we can craft any type of story based on the way we run these campaigns. So we tell our clients, what type of story do you want to tell? You want to tell the story of high ROAS? Do you want to tell the story of a lot of consumer journeys? Like we can craft that. So we really give our clients, we ad, we advise our clients on that, on that experience of, of what they want to do with their advertising because they know you know, our agency clients are usually general marketing firms or creative shops, and, and they have a unique relationship with their clients. They're closer to the end advertiser than we are. So so a lot of what we do is advise that. And then, you know, there's an organizational will that is required. We are usually not the agency of record for clients. And if we are the agency of record in unofficial terms, it's usually a small client that needs immediate sales. Like they don't they don't have time to figure out the consumer journey. They don't have tens of thousands of dollars a year just to allocate to systems. So implementing things like Twilio and Triple Whale, et cetera, become recommendations we make for other people to implement if they want to implement that. It usually doesn't come down to us implementing it. You spoke about ROAS and I suppose click-through rates and things like that. If you can explain what ROAS is to, to those who've never heard of it and potential, and uh, the difference between uh, click-through click rates and impressions, perhaps. Yeah, so return on ad spend, right? $1 or let's say $10,000 in your advertising campaign. How, what's the value of the sales that generate it? Is it $20,000? Okay, that's a ROAS of 2 or 200%. Is it $30,000 for its ROAS of three, et cetera? Or did you spend $10,000 to deliver $5,000 in sales? That's a ROAS of 0.5. It doesn't even break even. 
Mm. But again, there's a place for that, right? You start yeah. more consumer journeys, your organic SEO improves, that type of thing. So when we talk about ROAS, so then there's click-through rate, right? Like how many clicks were generated off the ad impressions that were delivered? What else were you asking about? What were that, that just made, click-through rate, maybe that's just too broad and I should <laughs> aim that to, 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 to a specific element. But if we, I've, I've lost my train of thought now. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. It's happening to both of us. Okay, so we've spoken about ROAS. I, I think the the next point I wanted to talk about at this point is: Do people understand how much money they need to spend to generate sales? So this comes into where your customer lifetime journey comes in. Mm -hmm. Do you work on customer lifetime journey? Do you consult customers on that, or do they have to understand? what this customer is actually worth to me over its lifespan so that I can say actually spending $10 on that on that on getting a click on that ad is actually not as expensive as it sounds or $50 or $100 is actually worthwhile to me i mean that's definitely part of the data we're looking at for performance what we don't do is we don't do an in-depth analysis to help you define the lifetime value what we do is we help clients leverage the data that they have about their lifetime value. So the core idea would be, yeah, I mean, inexpensive could be cheap or it could be valuable. And expensive could be valuable or ex or, or expensive. But the point is it, it could it the 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 price of something doesn't innately confirm its value or confer its value. Mm. So when we're looking at the list, if we look at the customer journey, we look at customer lifetime value. Typically from the awareness stage, that's where you're spending pennies on the dollar, I guess, in terms of you want to get as much awareness as possible. Right. And as, as you go further down the customer journey, the price sort of bumps up at each level because obviously everyone wants that final customer, the one who's going to, going to buy. So yeah. maybe, 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 maybe if you can chat about, if, if we go into Google and into Facebook, how the auctioning works in that, because everyone wants that customer who's going to be buying that pillow. How do I make sure they click on my advert, get shown up? Yeah, I mean, the best advice, you know, when we have clients who come to us and they say they've run meta ads or they run Google ads and it doesn't work. <clears throat> and then you come to find out they spend, you know, money on, Sorry, <coughs> optimizing to cost per click. I'll cut that out. Don't worry. Thanks. They spend money opt. You know, our clients come to us and say, "Look, there's a lot of, you know, Google or Facebook ads don't work for us." And you come to find out they're 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 doing a lot of keywords, and their cost per click is you know they're optimizing to cost per click. That's that that's not the right way of doing Google ads, for example. Like Google, it you know they're they, just like Meta, they have algorithmic objectives. Like, what do you want to accomplish? Do you want number of sales at a certain customer acquisition cost? <clears throat> do you want the value of the sale to be a certain number? And what these end up doing is these these are these are like levers or toggles that help Google get your ad in front of not just everyone searching for these things or for the keywords but also searching for your keywords to show the intent to purchase. So <clears throat> another perspective would be, you know, a client we had recently, or client we still have, but this sort of experience happened a couple, like year and a half ago. They're like, 
hey, we want 100% share of voice on our keywords. I'm like, okay, we'll do that. It's going to cost you like 15 grand for the month and we'll do that. Well, why is the cost per acquisition so, so high? Why is it so ineffective? Because not everyone wants your product just because they're searching for it. So the question is, are you, you know, what do you want? Do you just want to have 100% share of voice? Okay, we can get you 100% share of voice. But that's the goal. Like, that's all you're going to accomplish is 100% share of voice. Now, do you want more sales? Or do you want lower customer acquisition costs for your sales? Oh, that's a completely separate thing. You need not 100% share of voice. And frankly, share of voice doesn't really matter. What matters is the customer acquisition costs that you put it, you input into Google. So you optimize to different objectives, which effectively means different algorithms that Google is deploying for your campaign. A lot of people who are just self-serving their ads and, and, and they're doing it themselves, they have no idea that this stuff exists. They also don't know the ramifications of making changes or the fact that Google takes time to learn. Like the algorithm needs time to serve up ads and, and calibrate against what you're what you're looking for in the marketplace. The same thing goes for Meta. You have different objectives, traffic, conversion, lead, sales, all these kind of like things that are some, sometimes overlapping. You have video views, you have awareness. You know, if you don't know what these things mean and the implications of these different objectives, you know, hey, I just want, I want people to click, I want people to come to my site. Okay, we can get you clicks and we'll get you a high click-through rate and we'll give you a low cost per click. Oh, you wanted actual sales. No, that's a completely different thing. You want a much higher cost per click and a much lower cost per click-through rate. You might you want a much lower click-through rate because what we find is when we optimize to a sale or a lead, the click-through rate is in the United States is, you know, 0. 0.3 to 0.7. But if you want clicks, you can get a click-through rate between 1 and 5% but your cost of your sale is going to be far more expensive than when you're actually optimizing to the sale. So it's all these like on the, the, the way these, these platforms work is so like, like not obvious. Like yeah. And you, you would, and, yeah. Yeah. You've brought, you've brought up quite a few important points there in terms of we are, most people, if they go to Meta, they can set up an ad and they can, you know, choose which target group they, they, they want and, you know, what they want to pay per click, etc. But you're talking more, much more strategic media buying, really understanding what the, what the what end result you want. And I think if people don't understand the different types of results they can get, it's very difficult for them to set ads and schedules and, and put money towards that. Yeah. Because, because you don't have the experience. It, like, it's okay. I don't have the experience fixing a car. <laughs> so if you put me in front of a car with a hammer, I'm just going to break things. And if, then I'm going to pay far more money to fix the thing that was originally broken, plus the mistakes I made. <laughs> I'm sure lots of people resonate, resonate with that. If I had to, if a client came to you, say one of your, your smaller clients and said, I need to, I want to sell $100,000 worth of X product and the product cost me um, $1,000 each. So I need to sell 100 of these. Could you, <laughs> say, could you say, okay, I can sell 100,000 products for you and work out what that potential cost for ad the advertising cost would be and which channels you'd use? Is that something you do or 
yeah, I mean, talk to me about that. If somebody says, I'm just interested in sales, I want to sell a hundred thousand, I need to sell a thousand of these at a thousand bucks a pop, go. Yeah. First question is, have you ever done this before? Has actually, has anyone actually bought this for you for a thousand dollars? Yeah. Like is, which is, which is code for saying, do you have product market fit? Do people want what you have? And will, are they willing to pay a thousand dollars? If the answer is no, I've never done this, and I would say, okay, there's there's one path to go. If you're saying you have done this, then the question is at what scale? Yeah, I've sold two of these, but I want a bunch more. Okay, I mean that's interesting. If 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 you, it all depends on on how far down the line you are. If you have an ad account, you know, we can go from complete start from scratch. We ran this campaign for a for a a company that repairs hard drives. <clears throat> for an ad account, uh, for uh, so we took over the ad account. It had already existed. Another agency, that, you know, had it set up. We immediately dropped their cost per acquisition by thirty five percent in the first two months, and we had them for a year and a half until they decided they wanted to go in a completely different direction with their business. And you know, we spent millions of dollars for them, and it was effective. So we can go. So and and that's that's the continuum, right? The continuum is. I've literally, you know, as the business owner or the product owner, I've literally I have no idea if people even want this product or service, <laughs> much less at this price point. We know how to deal with that. We know how to deal with I've sold a few, but I I don't haven't been able to scale it. There's another strategy for that. And then on the far other end of the continuum is, yeah, it's working, but it would be great if you can cut my acquisition cost by x percentage so I can squeeze more money out of my business. So we we have it all comes back to the plan and the strategy. What are you trying to accomplish synthesized with what we know about media and marketing to make things work with the methods and practices that work right now? I think that optimization of advertising spend is something that people neglect as well. So in terms of why using somebody like your, your business would be useful is you might be spending $100,000 and getting X amount of sales and you probably say, if I spend a little bit more, maybe I'll get more sales. But you'd be able to optimize their current spend and say, okay, maybe you're not spending it in the right place. Here are different channels you should be using and why the hell are you using this channel? This is absolutely, absolutely useless for you. So, yeah. One of our clients right now, one of our new clients, they came to us with a challenge. We're generating sales, but it's not, it's, mostly not profitable so we're we're it's good our clients are happy but also we're we're kind of like losing too much money and they and we're taking on a, a behemoth task of not just running their advertising campaign but streamlining how they have data accessible to them to actually make good decisions like you know things like you know, every time I want to know how, how we're profitable, I need to pull three different reports. And you, and you can't do that when you have like 50 different clients, you know, customers, uh, stores that we're running this for. So we're streamlining it so that they know our fees. They know the ad buying costs. They know, the, they know which stores are profitable and which are not. And pro profitability paired also with scalability. Like there's the big ones where we should spend more time and the very small ones, which just you know we're not going to optimize a, a 200 dollar profitability you know 
we're not going to optimize it away against $200 of loss when we can make that up 27 times on a big store, right? So there's where do you allocate your time to make the most out of it? So so the the it, it's really about being able to systematize access to data so that we can understand and perform for you and you, the client, can get much more streamlined about how you make decisions. And together, as we partner, we become, our company becomes a really integral part of their data decision-making, not just for advertising, but for the entire business. And that becomes a powerful place to be because we become very sticky in that in that type of relationship and provide a, a great deal of value that, you know, we're basically combining business consultancy, advertising, and overall sort of business planning into we'll just charge you for media buying. I'm glad you brought up business strategy and business planning because I don't know if you've gotten any examples for me of where a client has said my budget is 5000 or $10,000, go and spend that. And if you've looked at data and you've seen, wait a minute, if I spend $10,000, you're going to get your sales. But if, I, if you increase this by $2,500, $5,000, you will generate the equivalent amount of sales. Are those the discussions that you have with, with clients? And how, are they, how do you get over that barrier of, well, that's a lot of money or it's beyond my budget? We, don't, we, don't, we never go into a new client relationship saying you should spend more than you feel comfortable spending. Because the reality of the marketplace is this is not 1992 where you've got to spend $30,000 for a billboard and plan it three months in advance, and you've <laughs> got to spend $50,000 to buy cable or linear television, and your sales reps will take you out for nice dinners, but you have to spend $50,000. Like, this isn't that world. This, we're, we're talking in, world, in, in, the, in the world of 5 and $10 increments. Your, your entire business can be calibrated to increasing or decreasing spend anytime at any moment depending on any variable you like including your anything from how you feel about your business to whether or not your sales are down that day to you're just having a good week or a bad week or you're having a bad hair day or whatever the case is you can increase or decrease your spending certainly we don't like to go so fast in in the changes but we never start a relationship with you should spend 50% more than you want to spend. What we say is, number one, we actually a lot of times recommend clients cut down spend so that it can go per month, so it can go longer, because that's going to benefit the client in a lot of different ways. And we also then say, look, you know, we, we want to understand what they're, what they're trying to accomplish. And if we get the feeling or, or they tell us or we understand their business model to be that you know, if we can f increase the spending or double the spending or whatever the case is to drive more sales, if they want us to do that, we will absolutely make the case, but only when we have our data to show that we can accomplish that effectively. Well, this will go into my final question of the night, which is obviously what you've just discussed now in terms of understanding your client and not trying to squeeze all of the juice out of them all at once is why You've been in the Forbes, what's it, the Financial Times 500 and your business has been going, growing for the last three years. Maybe just talk about some of those successes that you've had in terms, of your, in terms of your business growing and what the future looks like for Brill Media. Absolutely. You know, 
success, there's a lot of different types of success. There's kind of like soft successes. Hey, we got, you know, 10,000 visits to this article or we got 20,000 people to the website. Clients like that. But I care about money and leads and is this thing growing? And I also care about the individual motivations of the of the people who we we work for, the day-to-day clients that we have. Here's what I'll tell you. We have the things that come to mind. We lo- the success for me is we launched a successful campaign for an influencer marketing agency on four days' notice. Literally, this woman saw an ad, had a call the next day, had a campaign live. So we had the call on like Wednesday. We had the campaign live on Monday. And it ran for two weeks and it was fine for a big brand. And I think Meta is when we ran it. That's a success. Why? Because we've proven that we are worthy of her time and consideration and her advertising spend. She got what she wanted. We solved the immediate problem for her because she, where was she, where else was she going to go? Like, well, she probably had other options that weren't as good and she wasn't feeling comfortable with whoever, maybe she was going to run it herself. Just a mess. And we, we solved the problem for it. That's a big win. Another win is one of our bigger clients. They, they have an e-commerce brand and our main client closed and is working on this e-commerce store. So remember, we work, we, our clients are usually other agencies and their clients are the advertiser. So I think we're now in the third year we're planning for, or we're, we're at the start of their new fiscal year for media buying for this brand. And he was, our client was very happy and very grateful for the fact that this client has been happy. They're growing their ad spend. We've defended all the things we had to defend about why we're doing X, Y, and Z. And we're growing the business. That's a big win. We have, the big wins are going to be relationships that we have for five, six, seven years that literally can all be canceled with 48 hours notice. Those are big wins because we don't want clients to stay with us because they're contractually obligated. We want clients to stay with us because they are happy with the work we are doing. Other wins ran a B2B campaign for a prominent gaming brand trying to reach advertisers. And we ran a campaign and their original recommendation was meta advertising, driving to a landing page and and banners driving to a landing page. None of that was working low lead volume. We ran ads on LinkedIn and we specifically did a, a, a lead form on LinkedIn and they got a bunch of leads that they're very happy with in a short period of time, mind you. And so those are the types of wins where, where, our clients, the individuals that we service, can be the heroes to their clients. So some fantastic examples there. And yeah, I think we could keep on going all night. There's so many. <laughs> I, just to let you know, I used to work at Viacom. So we was, I was seeing, selling lots of media time for MTV, Nickelodeon. All of yeah. those. So you are, the, the numbers involved and the, the, the thinking behind it is, is tremendous. So I, I really look up to you guys in in the media in the media buying industry here last thing where can people get in touch with you robert yeah so go to brillmedia.co that's b as in boy r i l l media.co any page you go to you're going to have a contact us form at the upper right 
and fill out that form. You'll be prompted to, in an email, schedule a time with me. We can have a strategy conversation and talk about ways to uh, grow your business. Awesome. I'll put those links in the description and hopefully folks will get in touch with you. Robert, it's been such a, a great chat. Thank you so much for your insights. And I'm sure people who didn't know terribly much about media buying realize now the depth of it and why they should get in touch with folks like yourself. So thank you so much. Nice to meet you, Nicholas. You too. chat with Nicholas. He'll listen to you. Then he'll laugh and then he'll cry with you. It's all in a safe space for you to speak your truth. Oh, come and share with